Welcome to the Soul Connection Duo podcast. We are your hosts, Alexa and Sydney, and we are so excited to have you here with us today. Get ready to connect to your soul and start healing within. Today, our guest is Caitlin D. Caitlin is the founder of Integrative Pelvic Care. This body of work is a portal to integrating every part of our being back into relationship with our powerful center. Her own healing journey has inspired this body of work, and now she is deeply committed to helping women revolutionize their own lived experience with their bodies. It's her life mission to support other women on their journey to feeling deep belonging in their body and on this earth. Caitlin holds a sacred tender container for women ready to begin this life-changing work. She offers online programs, in-person retreats for women all over the world to connect and heal in sisterhood. In-person retreats, energy, and body work are hosted in Denver, Colorado, and Dublin, Ireland. Welcome to the Soul Connection Duo podcast, Caitlin. We are so excited to have you today. Thank you. I appreciate your beautiful introduction. Thank you for having me, and I'm excited to dive in with you both. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I just noticed, actually, from your bio, Denver, Colorado, and Dublin, Ireland. Where are you joining us from today? I am in Denver. Oh, cool. And you travel back and forth, I'm assuming? I travel all over the world. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Ancestral ties to Ireland, though, inspires me to go there. And I've been there a few times, so I'm comfortable there. I will be there beginning in August, August and September. I'll be offering sessions in Ireland. Awesome. That's so cool. So um, I guess we'll jump a little bit into the work that you do. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, I guess, and how you found your way into this kind of work? Absolutely. Thank you. And truly never did I ever think that I would be here sharing this type of work even five or six years ago. If somebody would have told me this is where your life path is headed, I would have been no freaking way. (laughs) And I just, I speak to that because it's been such a profound shift in my life and truly reawakened some ancient remembering in my cells and also been a port, you know, the catalyst that really inspired me to deepen my own healing as well as ultimately inspires me to share this with other women was losing my youngest sister to suicide and working through the grief of that. It kind of just broke me open and really made me start looking at patterns of child abuse and how childhood trauma can affect and impact our whole body and whole physiology. And I had been dealing with numbness during sex and really painful menstruation and kind of a lot of seemingly disconnected symptoms in my own body and through a lot of body work most of those were resolving but there was kind of always that lingering why am I numb during sex and finally I found pelvic care holistic pelvic care my original practitioner was Alicia Alicia Patterson and that just was mind-blowing to me that it was even I didn't even know it was a thing And pretty soon into that, I started to realize that this is what I needed to do and to share. 
and not from a place of like, I want to, I'm going to do this because I want to leave my job or anything like that. I was just like, other women need to know about this. Other women need to understand their bodies. I started to realize that I wasn't all alone in the symptoms I was having in the story that had led me up to the physical symptoms that were manifesting in my body. And now doing this work with women all over the world, I know that we are not alone. And that feeling of not alone is a huge piece of how I hold containers and how I offer this work now, which is mostly based online. It is so powerful to unlock and remember the healing capacity that you hold every single woman holds within her. And from a nervous system perspective, you know, a lot of us, including myself, go to pelvic healing because we have symptoms. We have something going on in our bodies that's like finally motivating us. Like we gotta change something. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. And a lot of times, you know, really inspired through the conditioning of this symptom management or treating symptoms, we go right to the source of the pain. So we go, we jump into internal work or, you know, maybe PT, different things like that. And we can sustain some results. But the reason that pelvic care really unlocked so much within me was the work that I did before. I didn't just wake up one day and like walk into a pelvic care practitioner's office. <laughs> there was many layers before that, that put me in not just a state mentally and emotionally, but my whole body, my whole physiology was like ready to receive the work. And that receptiveness is, you know, this sought after regulated nervous system. I was doing that work long before I knew what the nervous system was. Mm -hmm. So being able to guide women into that state of receptivity before we even go to intravaginal work with myself or with yourself at home is so profound. And that's why I offer this work to begin with online. I'll pause there. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Caitlin. I'm sorry for the loss of your sister. It's, I know grief is what leads us, a lot of us, to finding new paths. And it's pretty beautiful what you've made of your grief and your journey. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I am very interested to know if you actually need um, specific like training, schooling to do this work, or is it something that kind of you can... I know you've taught yourself probably a lot of this along the way as well, but do you have to have a certificate or something like that as along with that? That's a great question. And this is a very touchy subject in the world that I work in. Yeah. Fueled a lot by unfortunately lobbying type efforts from the medical system, which would prefer that I not touch anyone's body and that women go to a PT or a doctor for pelvic work. I live in, reside in Colorado and in Colorado, I do have a license for massage therapy. And in this state and this 
locale, you are allowed to do intravaginal work with a massage license. That's what my mentor does. That's what a few women that I know, that was a big motivation for me to go to massage school. And also I am a coach and am happy to hold space for coaching clients in whichever way is supportive for them when we do in-person retreats. <laughs> and so it is, you know, unfortunately there are states that this work is totally illegal. There are countries where this work, where my online work is illegal. There are places where it's easier to register as a sex worker to offer pelvic care sessions. Whether it's pleasure-based or not, that protects you more than trying to be a body worker. So there's many layers, there's you know, different routes and different way avenues into doing this type of work that I know other people have explored, but it's definitely something, you know, if there's anyone listening who is considering entering this realm of work, it is something to consider. And also, do you even care? <laughs> <laughs> so that is, you know, there's many aspects to it. And when I travel, it's something that I'm just aware of. And, you know, the work is too important not to share with other women. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm asking that question because it really does interest me. And so to kind of see how you get into this is um, something that I was very curious to ask you about. Um, I know over the last couple of years, um, I've been kind of diving into the world of pelvic care because um, I have TMJ and actually Sydney has also had bouts with that. And so when I came across your page, I was like, holy cow, this makes a ton of sense how related the jaw and the pelvis are. Um, and yeah, you share so much really great information on how we can dive into our bodies and um, help to heal ourselves and be our own healers, as well as learning the connectedness of everything. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad that was helpful. And I also want to touch on, you know, besides the legality standpoint, receiving body work has been something I have done for more than a decade. Like, hundreds of hours at this point of receiving body work. And that has been to feel the shifts occurring in my own body through all different modalities. Yes. Some intravaginal work I've received probably 40 hours plus in private mentorship and private sessions with Alicia before doing a couple of trainings. But before that was, you know, just experiencing my body go through the shift that it had and how much tension and, you know, my body was locked down and in pain and numb because it was just in this trauma response from probably five years old until I was in my twenties starting to do this work. And that has given me this understanding of what occurs in the body that I think is much different than you know, going and taking a training and like, they say this, so this is what we do. And, you know, there's many steps that get diluted and the experience gets diluted kind of the more time a training is copied and pasted. 
And that's not to say that there's, you know, not good trainings out there or that certificates, you know, don't necessarily work, but it is, I think, so important when we're holding this type of space to go through it and to continue to do our own work and share from that place. Because, you know, there's things like, if you need to go pee while I'm doing this work with you, please let me know. And like little tiny things like that, that don't seem like they make a difference that can make the whole difference. If someone is not in this place of being able to speak up for themselves and they don't really know, like I've done breath work things and I'm like, am I allowed to go pee during this? <laughs> and it can kind of dilute the experience, right? So it's just like little nuances and that's a very simple piece. But like things I've thought about in my head when I'm receiving work trickles down into how I teach it now. <laughs> and when you were talking about like you've done or received um, different types of body work for decades, like what else in addition to like the pelvic care have you explored? Lots and lots of massage. And, you know, massage is a very broad term. And there is such a difference between body work and like a soft, gentle, relaxing massage at a spa. Mm -hmm. Both are nice, but one is creating structural change in the body and one is not necessarily. <laughs> and I've been to this, some of the best spas around and had excellent <laughs> massages, but it wasn't like this profound, like structural change. So that was a great thing for me to start committing to when I had sciatica, when I had low back pain, regular, like weekly for a while, 90 minute sessions. I've also gone through a Rolfington series and that's one of the modalities that I very highly recommend. It's works with fascia and really does create structural change. That's what it, Rolfing structural integration. And that is something that I'm going through my second tin series right now. Different Rolfers will have different approaches and kind of their own spin to it, but I do definitely recommend that. And that's really it for body work. You know, massage kind of encompasses this big expansive <laughs> world but it is something that I highly recommend. That's super interesting. I'm actually, I just finished my fifth Rolfing session last week. So I'm going through the series right now right. and I have found it really helpful with um, just different pain that I've had in my body to kind of start releasing some of that fascia. Uh, that's amazing. That's probably pelvis and psoas work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was yeah. intense, actually, because I think I've never had my, my stomach core uh, massaged in any capacity before. So it released a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is definitely inspired how I share the work and begin initiate into pelvic care is creating space surrounding the pelvis which is very much inspired by Rolfing because we often, again, we jump right in. We can make all the changes in the world in the pelvic diaphragm or pelvic floor as it's commonly called. But if there's no space in the body to integrate and we're holding the exact same patterns in the rest of the body, everything goes back to where it was. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I have number five this week, actually. <laughs> Yay. Well, enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, I just thinking about like for you, your a lot of your pains is stemming from kind of that pelvic region. It sounds like like SI and pelvis and numbness. And do you notice a lot of the women that come to you, that's kind of a symptomatic area for them? Or is there other areas in the body that commonly are affected? Yeah, for the most part, the, you know, the symptoms or the painful symptoms, because pleasure is also a symptom. Vitality is also a symptom, but the challenging symptoms that present themselves that really will be motivators to do this work can be things like menstrual pain, low back pain, hip pain. It also extends into things like digestive imbalances. And sometimes there's a disconnect between, oh, my digestive system is pelvic related and it's all connected, <laughs> not to overuse that term, but you know, when we, and then everything that occurs above the pelvis can also be impacted and it's highly innervated. It's deeply impacts the nervous system, which runs our hormones, which runs cognitive function and our digestive system. And, you know, things like depression and voice and heart rate, all of these things can also be impacted through pelvic care as well as pelvic imbalances. But oftentimes it's more that direct link that women are like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I need to explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, I mean, I went through a traumatic um, event and loss a few years ago and um, like Lex was saying, we've both struggled with TMJ. I had jaw surgery to kind of fix a lot of the pain I was having. And after I went through everything, I kind of noticed like that pain reactivate itself as well as like, I always get this kind of consistent upper back kind of shoulder pain up in my neck into my head. Um, so I'm assuming it's probably all related to that. Um, but I do know those are like obviously common areas where we hold stress and tension and things that can also stem from trauma. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's so one of the most common practices that I lead clients through is with their jaw mm -hmm. and it is all connected to, you know, then we have like heart space, back heart space between our shoulder blades, shoulders that hold tension when we work our body curves forward due to wanting to protect ourselves due to lifestyle. We clench our jaw or we swallow down our thoughts and emotions and it constricts this whole space. And that echoes down into the root and pelvis. And when I begin teaching this work, it's so easy or much easier to go in and start with the jaw because it's not this totally taboo place like doing intravaginal work or touching your own vulva that can create this like <gasps> in the system that tightens that space <laughs> mm -hmm. if we work up here first and we really start to create space on either side of the pelvis we've also cultivated this awareness and this relationship with our body so that yes when we start to move in towards hands-on hands and pelvic work there's already that establishment 
we work with the belly. We do a ton of belly work in my foundation program, which is the introduction to all of this work. And that in and of itself can be so deeply healing. Pelvic symptoms often resolve after foundation. And then it's just like, let's continue exploring, but it's just restoring blood flow into that space and awareness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our body loves when we start to orient to her and are like, hi, pelvis. Hi, belly. It's been a while, but we're back. Just that awareness can begin to shift things. For sure. I think I'm like, obviously not totally sure exactly um, like what your work entails and everything. So like when you say sometimes you'll start with the jaw I've received from a massage therapist, like intraoral um, uh, like muscle release and things like that. Is that kind of similar to how you start and then kind of same thing, like working your way down to that more, um, yeah, I guess private area, you could say like, you know, you're obviously meeting someone for the first time, you know, they might be a little hesitant to jump right in, but maybe not. So I'd love to just hear more about kind of your process of working with clients and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we would never do hands in hands on pelvic work without the online orientation through foundation. So you're going to know my voice. You're going to be familiar with me and my teaching style. There's so many things, you know, around even anatomy and physiology that start to land well before I am putting my hands in or on someone. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's really important that, you know, we each take our responsibility around our body. And the practices that I teach that have been influenced by so many different hands-on modalities are things that are easy to do at home. And so that can even look like just cupping your jaw and allowing your mouth to drop open and taking a few breaths. And it's so simple. Like it's a bit frustrating initially to women who start this work with me as to how simple it is and to how little we have to do because we've been taught that like more, more, more is going to get better, more results and it's going to happen faster. But actually when we slow it down a lot, that is when trauma unwinds in the body. I also teach embodiment sessions that are specific to integrative pelvic care that are very intentional about creating space in the fascia to support the pelvic work and the root. And that is always very oriented towards the jaw. There's invitation for voice activation and song. And it is a very integral part to the process that once I, once we are together in person, it is like night and day between bodies that have gone through that process and not. And it's not to compare if any of my clients are listening, but it has been good for me to see both to really double down on go through foundation. It's going to be better for both of us. You're going to receive deeper. I am not here to pump clients through in my hands-on practice. And I want you to just be able to really deeply receive and then go on your way and live your life. And it's not a rely on me (laughs) to feel good in your body. It's truly a, the empowering part comes from you 
doing the work in your body. And I've been trying to figure out a different way to say doing the work because work sounds like this bad or like negative thing. So if anyone has any ideas, I'd love to hear them. <laughs> I think like the, just the piece you touched on about how the women in your programs are doing all this work themselves. Like we're taught so much and so often to outsource when we have pain and when we have symptoms in our body. And like, I know I've run into that every time I've tried to get help with my jaw or other pain in my body that like seems like there's no, you know, source, if you want to call it that, um, air quotes. Um, but yeah, just this whole, like, you can heal yourself if you're tuning into your body and teaching that to specifically women, but also anyone else who might um, find that helpful is just really important work right now, I think, especially where the world's at in terms of medical things that are happening these days. It's, yeah, the, a pill isn't going to fix it. It's probably going to mask it when you have these physical pain symptoms happening. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there were many years where taking pill, I was, you know, probably 1600 milligrams of ibuprofen a day for a while. Mm -hmm. There was a time in my life when that was the only acceptable option for me. I did not have the space, the money, the energy, the time to dive into healing at the root. And so I really want to validate anybody who has been more in this symptom management. There's no shame in that. And if it works for you, if you're not in the time and the space to be able to really dive into this type of work, then I have so much respect for that. And it's why I try to speak to, you know, there's so many gifts. Like I could sell, like, we're going to heal all these things in your body and it's important for me to preface that with, and we have to move through the shadows and we have to do some, some things that are going to be challenging with a part in our body, even just by clicking by on one of my programs that has the name pelvis in it can initiate some changes in our physiology. I've heard that from women. Like I got blood flow back just as soon as I join, <laughs> which is amazing. And it's also just shows how powerful just orienting to this work. And that counts if you're listening to this, you know, looking at my posts, anything like that is like, just consider starting to think about this is powerful. It takes courage. It took me weeks and probably more like months to actually click book on a call with my practitioner who I found on the internet. And so I think that's a really important piece of this is like, it is powerful and vulnerable and like all of these things and it can unlock profound changes in your life. Mm -hmm. I think like you were saying a lot of the time too when we start experiencing symptoms or pain we always try to look for like the pharmacological side of things right like taking a medication or um, just I guess exploring more kind of western medicine treatments and that's kind of exactly how my journey was and I haven't dove totally super into a lot of this work but within the past year I've really started to explore the energy work a lot more even just through acupuncture and cranial sacral and noticed like a huge change in things so it's it's 
diving beyond just kind of the general what we know um and it's so interesting because every I mean the point of us doing this podcast is just to learn and connect with people who are super super passionate about what they do which obviously we can tell you're very very passionate about it which is amazing (laughs) um but even before this I was like to Lex I was like I don't really exactly understand what this is but like again I'm excited to learn something else that's new to me because um there's just so much out there and it's crazy how it can really truly heal um, traumas and so many things. Yeah, I love that. Craniosacral and acupuncture are powerful modalities. Mm-hmm. I think that when we tap into that subtle, those subtle changes that things like those two modalities can start to initiate, it gives us this opportunity to actually feel more of what's going on in the body. Whereas when we're just like, oh, this hurts and I'm going to take a pill. That's all we get is, oh, this hurts. Oh, this hurts. It's not like, oh, this muscle is connected to this like other diagonal in my body. And I feel this like zing in between. And, you know, then my jaw starts to twig, twitch a little bit. You know, there's all these connections that are actually going on on the surface. So I think that's an amazing step to go into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in your foundation program, I know you've got a couple of um, free online resources and I did do your, I forget what it was called, but just the one with like the release and kind of like, is it yin yoga you work with as well to kind of stretch out and. Yeah. So my embody, the embodiment sessions are inspired partially by yin yoga. I do not practice you know, yogic traditions. And so I try to refrain from calling, it used to be called yoga (laughs) and I've tweaked some things. And, you know, with that, it is, again, it's getting into the fascia, which was why I love yin. And it's that slowing down piece that is so hard (laughs) to sit with ourselves and I'm so excited you did it how did you feel after oh really good yeah I really enjoyed all the jaw releases like I've never done another free resource at least to date that I've found that has that much kind of jaw integration in it so for me it was really helpful and I felt just super relaxed and and yeah really good after So thank you for sharing that with us. (laughs) You're so welcome. I have to actually give my uh, woman who does, she's an esthetician and she is one of the most skilled body workers I have ever worked with. And she does fascia work with the jaw, intraoral work with the mouth, works with the fascia of the face and head. She worked on my abdomen the last time I was in. And that is definitely inspirational also to just know those connections with the face and the jaw and give us permission, right? Sometimes we just need permission to like do these things in our own body. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I know it's, it's kind of crazy. Like the more women in my life that I talk to, um, kind of around our same age group, um, it just seems like everyone that I know has TMJ to some extent. And I don't know if you notice that in your work, but um, it's definitely something that I've just been noticing more and more as I start to like 
continue on with this podcast, like as we're learning about the body and healing and all that, it's, yeah, just keeps being kind of presenting itself. Yeah, it is something that, you know, even when we don't even notice, I recently, one of my teachers called me out a few months ago that was like, you know, you still clench your jaw, right? (laughs) But I wasn't clenching my teeth. (laughs) And I was sitting there like, kind of like, I know you can't see me, but I'm kind of burying my teeth at the screen. And that brought so much awareness to how we hold patterns in our mouth and jaw even just by, you know, when we're driving or when we swallow down, instead of speaking up for ourselves and we're like, nope, I'm not going to say anything. If we go through that process of closing our mouth, literally swallowing down, swallowing down our emotions, it clinches the whole system up here. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, it's funny too, because I was a dental assistant for a short amount of time <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> and so that has also inspired more work with the mouth and jaw and again it's just an easier cavity to start work with than the vagina or anus mm-hmm. I think yeah. for me too now that you're talking about the mouth like the last couple of years every time I go to the dentist he's like you're chewing on your cheeks and I'm like am I like I'm not aware of that but like I think when I'm sleeping and then also driving is a big one too I don't know why but I get like super sweaty and I notice too I'll like start chewing on the insides of my cheeks which I don't even know I'm doing it half the time yeah. um yeah. so I used to clench my jaw and now it's like the cheek <laughs> cheek chew and I'm like totally. why this is terrible yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly so that hanging the mouth open seems like this over exaggeration but as we start to do that more and more it translates into our sleep when we are you know maybe doing these things more unconsciously but beginning to be aware of it just in the waking hours is so profound because <laughs> I also know about the chewing on cheeks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrible. Then you wake up the next day and you're like, why are my cheeks just destroyed? It's yeah. awful. Yeah, there's so many muscles, like the face we don't often think about. We'll spend, you know, thousands of dollars on face products and anti-wrinkle creams and all this stuff. And there's like so much structure to the musculature and the fascia and blood flow and lymph all of that in our face that we Mm -hmm. don't work with that just opening that up can also be this like anti I'm not about anti-aging because you know it's an honor to get to age and that is a place to start if that motivates somebody (laughs) to get into doing some good jaw work and face work awesome Mm Yeah. And I did listen to another podcast you were on, I believe as a guest speaker. And um, you were saying too, like, I think it was you, maybe it was a host. I can't remember, but you were saying that you were thankful for your symptoms and you'll never want to be, was it you that said that? I can't remember what podcast episode that was, but basically that our symptoms are telling us things and what we need to like either seek out um, like work or what we need to do. Um, so that was something too, that I kind of took away. It, it is like, it's a warning sign, like, hello, like you need to do something about this basically. Yeah. I think, you know, whether it was me or her, I have definitely said that and that, you know, our, our symptoms are such an opportunity. If our body, you know, anything that's like pelvic pain, endometriosis, infertility, abnormal paps, all of these different common 
diseases in the female body and physiology and especially you know uterus and womb space those are i believe just a sign of disconnection from the space and i don't say that to shame anyone it is ancestral it is not like you're the first woman in your family who has ignored these symptoms or had pain and when we think about our mothers and grandmothers and great grandmothers and their relationship to their body and their pelvis and their root and their womanhood in general and look at those patterns well of course we learned you know i learned that menstrual pain is it runs in the family that's genetic we, we just have really bad menstrual cramps like debilitating cramps and you know starting to unlock some of that is not about blaming or shaming women it's about you know looking at the opportunity that we have now to even talk about this work you know looking back not very long ago women in our families couldn't even have a bank account <laughs> let alone invest in going to explore deeper pleasure or healing their menstrual pain it was just like you suck it up you're at home you hide it here comes the curse every month and that's it and i have so much compassion for you know those women and women before that i watch i was watching um lonesome dove recently it's this western movie and i always get curious about i'm like what were they doing like on the trail when they were menstruating like <laughs> just like hiding it and so I think it's so powerful to, you know, and that not everyone receives that very open, you know, it's hard to receive that sometimes. I think when I say, well, it's an opportunity and it can suck royally. <laughs> but when we start to, you know, look at those patterns and start to just nourish and come into relation with our body with our womanhood you know we can zoom out from the pelvis again how do you feel about being a woman how do you feel about your body in general that affects every single aspect of our lives and so does this feeling of trust and confidence and empowerment and you know worthiness that puts us in a place to put ourselves out there and to receive and to you know, receive pleasure, receive money, receive raises at work, receive love, receive compliments, receive support. It's all connected to feeling safe and supported in our bodies first. Mm -hmm. I think just to like, you were talking about infertility, endometriosis, and I know um, there's some other conditions out there that are often like hard to treat. And, um, I'm assuming you probably work with a lot of women with these conditions and I'm assuming they probably come to you after a lot of these like Western medicine treatments have kind of failed. Um, Cause that's usually often how it goes from my experience. I'm also a nurse. So I have a little bit of a background <laughs> from all of that and my, my own healing, but um, do does like your work um, end up helping these women with those conditions? It does. And, you know, it's important to recognize that, you know, something like endometriosis isn't going to be just magically cured in a five week program. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to step into the work and then commit to it. Mm 
-hmm. And even, you know, with menstrual pain and numbness during sex, I'll use myself as an example. It has been deep study and deep commitment to my body and deep commitment to the emotional side and the physical side and the nervous system side of rewiring my body for pleasure and for sensation. You know, I've, I have had women who were booked for IVF get pregnant. And I think that, you know, there's so many things to work with before going to surgery, before going through IVF, things like that, that are just normalized. I mean, there are infertility or fertility clinics. There are options just to get your fertility tested. I get these ads on Facebook that are just telling us that you're going to have fertility problems. Uh Well, when we have congestion in our pelvis and we've been, you know, constricted and there's no blood flow, it's not a healthy space for a life to be created. So when we do this work for ourselves first, and this is not to shame or blame anyone who has gone through this, then we are creating space that is vital for life, for health, for ease, for pleasure. And the body heals. It is wired to heal. It wants to heal. It wants to come into balance, into homeostasis, the scientific term, as you know, as a nurse. (laughs) And all of our symptoms are information about where it's at with that. You know, and when we have, you know, hormone imbalances, for example, well, if our ovaries are congested or our uterus is pushed over to one side or our body is consistently in this fight or flight state because we're don't feel safe in our own body anywhere we go. It's not conducive for healing or fertility or for, you know, releasing deeper symptoms like endometriosis. I'm curious to hear your opinion. Cause we did have another um, guest on that kind of does similar work, but a little bit different um, just in regards to, I guess, Lex kind of touched on it. Um, birth control, IUDs, um, tampons versus um, diva cups, period panties. Like, do you want to just take on that topic? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it has been, you know, I will say right off the bat that I am grateful that I did not get pregnant when I was a teenager. And I am grateful for the birth control that I had access to. And I was on Depo Provera, the shot for probably four or five years, I would bleed like all the time when I was on the shot, it was ridiculous. I had horrible pain, like all these different things, but it was like kind of less pain than when I was menstruating. So it was better. And I was grossed out by my blood. I think that when we step into adulthood and we are grown ass women that are taking responsibility for our bodies and for our cycles, you know, birth control does cause long-term damage. There is a correlation between the rates of infertility and being on hormonal birth control. Like it's popping it like it's candy and not hearing about all of these side effects that it can cause it. When we are controlling our hormones, our body's not learning how or remembering how to manage its own hormones. So there's many layers to it. And, you know, it's everyone's choice also. IUDs can be downright dangerous. I don't work with anyone who has an internal IUD. 
when for my internal work. So in Harmony, which is an advanced program, and in my in-person work, it would, you know, we could do some things, but I would not put my hands inside of you. And my preface is, you know, if you have an IED, you're welcome to join Harmony, but that is your responsibility to manage if we're doing internal work. And, you know, a big piece around why we step towards birth control is we distrust our bodies. We don't understand our fertility and we might have a hard time speaking up for ourselves and our fertility with partners to also be respected in we need to use backup birth control for these like six days of the month. So there's many layers here that come from this conditioning of like, kind of just take it in the bedroom and don't speak up for what we need. And maybe we don't even know what we need. And there's another opportunity here to learn our bodies and to know our bodies and to trust our bodies. Fear, there is a reason why fear is perpetuated around the female body because it is powerful AF. And they, <laughs> the powers that be would not be spending billions of dollars to perpetuate this fear about the female body and try to take our rights away if it were not so powerful. So there's something to chew on there. With menstruation, our body when it is menstruating is releasing. It is downward flow of energy. It is downward flow of blood and of uterine lining. Tampons are for the most part toxic unless you're getting like the cotton, 100% organic, make sure that they don't have any scent in them because even organic ones sometimes are scented. And if we are using a tampon, we're blocking that downward flow. Same with the menstrual cup. I know the painting with your blood is a thing. You can rinse out pads. I like period panties, pads, or free bleeding. Since going from tampons to a menstrual cup, which was a great set for me. It really let me start to know my blood, see my blood, be more comfortable with my blood. But then I moved to period panties. And the last time I put a menstrual cup in was over two years ago. My body went to, into this immediate reaction of cramping and like nausea and bloating, all of these things. And with the period panties, I don't have bloating. I rarely have cramps anymore. And same with pads or even there's like Venus matters mats, or if you work from home, just bleeding on a towel is <laughs> so good during the day. <laughs> and, you know, it can be a process and it can be figuring out what works for you. And again, it's when we block that downward flow, there will be stagnation of energy and of blood and that can cause cramping. Like I, I was talking to somebody the other day about having a lot of pain in her thigh and hip during menstruation. So that's a sign that it's not even the uterus that is clogged mm -hmm. or blocked or cramping. It is this channel from basically psoas down to feet that needs to be open and flowing during your cycle. So anything we can do to support that warm foods, warm liquids, not blocking our cervix, helps so much with menstruation yeah it's so just mind-boggling when you think of it that we're not taught all of this at an earlier time in our lives um just to like honor our cycle that is there for a reason and 
like, like you say, most of us are probably scared of our blood when we first start bleeding. It's like just this thing that we've been taught to not, not pay attention to just really brush it away, hide it as much as you can and call her a day. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember being in so much pain when I was like 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. and I would be like sitting in the car by myself getting an excuse out of going to the lake or something and screaming in pain and embarrassed to ask when I needed like refills on pads, embarrassed to say that I had cramps. So I needed Tylenol, like all these different things. And it was just this like so much shame, so much embarrassment. And, you know, my mom did the best she could. And I look at my grandma who is now watching over us and know that she, you know, she told my mom, I now know this, that she told my mom that whiskey was a great thing for menstrual pain. (laughs) So it's just looking again at that pattern, how inherently ancestral it is. We don't have to go looking for like the big ancestor stuff. We can start with our period, (laughs) our menstruation. I think that's the biggest thing too, is like, we don't talk about it or we're not taught about it at a young age in school, right? Like we think of it associated with like embarrassment or shame and like I know I got my period super super late I was in grade 10 when I got it so like way behind everyone and I was like what's wrong with me and then when I did get it I was embarrassed because I was in grade 10 you know people had gotten in grade six seven and I'm like you know having to ask my younger sister she's probably going to kill me for saying this but like for her pads and tampons and um you know what I mean? Like there's, there is that embarrassment and shame associated with it, especially, you know, if you get it earlier on compared to other girls or later on, like in my case. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I was on the other end, I was like 11, I got it. And that was embarrassing. And I didn't tell any of my friends and none of my friends were like, we never really talked about it, which Mm -hmm. even with my sisters, which is something that breaks my heart now is like looking back and seeing how, even the three of us didn't connect about these things. And except one time I had to pull a tampon out of my little sister that got stuck. She's watching over in the background in the painting. And (laughs) um, yeah, but that was like it. There was no conversation after. It was just like this kind of joke and we were all good. And it was just like, yeah, seeing that, you know, and talking about it when there's shame, you know, we body shame, money shame, sex shame, talking about it is the antidote to that. Yeah, I know it is very sad, like similar experience for me. I was stealing tampons and pads from my sister's like bag because I didn't want to tell her. And of course she's someone I tell pretty much everything to. And I mean, obviously I was young and everything, but still to like go stealing her supplies because you know what I mean? It's just, it's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of the same thing with like birth control too, at a young age, right? Like you go on it either because you're sexually active or I know a lot of my friends started going on it because they had acne and that was just like something to cover it up or because of their cramps too. And yeah, it's just really not something that we are taught about. And I know lately I've kind of shared a few things on my social media about um, going off the pill and how it's really changed things for me just in my like 
my everyday, how my body feels. Um, and I'm still detoxing from that because I'm only eight months out. Um, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know it's, yeah, it's been really a cool experience to, um, try it because I have been on it since I was probably 15 or 16 years old, um, Mm -hmm. on and off. And just some of the women I've talked to around here um, that have seen some of the things I've shared like I've heard a lot of firsthand experiences of people having like migraines from the pill and not realizing it or just these other symptoms that are coming up that your doctor doesn't even tell you about when you go get an IUD or go on some form of birth control so the education piece is huge yeah or it's just like oh that's just a woman's symptom you're a woman Mm -hmm. pain numbness not having orgasms it's all, it's normal. You're fine. It's just part of being a woman. <laughs> BS. Yeah, total BS. It's got to change. And yeah. people like you are definitely changing the outlook on that for so many women. Well, you too also. Thank Team you. Team effort. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, Caitlin, this has been amazing. I feel like we could talk to you actually all day about the work that you do and all of your experience. Um, but unfortunately we can't. So um, if you can help to share your pages and where people can find you for our listeners, that'd be awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much again for having me. It is a pleasure and no pun intended and honor to <laughs> speak about this work and share it and you know so much love and respect and admiration for every single woman that is listening every single person that is listening to this because it really is you know we are in this together and it is such an initiation and the more of us that talk about these things the more that we can step away from what has become so common or normalized that it's actually deeply harming to womanhood and the female body. So thank you all listeners and hostesses. And you can find me at Integrative Pelvic Care on Instagram. That is my main hub and source of information. I go live pretty often. It has a link, my link in bio has access to any of the introductory programs that I offer. And those are, there's many ways into foundation because The foundation is the pelvis, the root of our body. It is the foundation to work with me and integrative pelvic care and our relationship. And so I really have, you know, again, lots of ways into that, but same basic content so that we can have a really long lasting and sustainable experience in the realm of pelvic healing together and beyond. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so, so much. This has been an incredible conversation and getting to learn about what you do today. And we can't wait to share this with our listeners. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Caitlin. So nice to meet you. Thanks for listening. To support us, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. And we'll see you next week for our next episode of the Soul Connection Duo podcast.